0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and my wonderful wife will be joining us shortly. I am streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Podcast Studio, and I am super excited to have Jennifer Woodward back on our podcast. Um, We're going to be discussing PCOS and infertility. They kind of go hand-in-hand. And it's a question that we get often in our pharmacy because um, we specialize in hormones. So we always get the question of PCOS, and I will tell you, and even sometimes with infertility, um, it's not just a simple hormone issue. And Janet, welcome to our show. Uh, It's not just a simple hormone issue. There's so many other things that are important, including lifestyle, nutrition, sleep, and all those things. So without further ado, Jennifer, welcome to our show.
1: Thanks for having me back. It's super exciting to be here today. It's a little bit more of a godly hour today. It was like six thirty last time, so
0: really oh, that's excited. right, it yeah. was. Yeah, In the it afternoon is was... so much better. Yeah, it is. So, tell us a little bit about your background and why you got into um, PCOS and infertility um, education.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I've had a practice since 2016. I have a master's degree in integrative nutrition, and my focus is, of course, on women's hormones. So that's been the crux of my practice ever since I first got started. Um, as I work mostly with women in the perimenopausal stage, I have a lot of women who you know, were wanting to have children later in life and, and came up against infertility. And so we started diving just a little bit deeper into possible causes of infertility from a functional perspective. Of course, I'm not a doctor. I don't diagnose, treat, or prescribe, but I do help educate my clients on some of the reasons, kind of the root causes as to why, you know, infertility can take place and and, and be there for a period of time. Um, So I I do work with clients, you know, who are a little bit older and have experienced that those years or even decades of infertility. We work with clients who've, you know, failed IVF uh, even a few times. Um, The body is just really resilient and really beautiful. And so I love getting to educate people on, again, that root cause from like a hormone perspective on PCOS and and watch the body do what it can do when those hidden healing opportunities are uncovered and the body just gets to kind of thrive. You know, that includes fertility for sure.
0: Absolutely. So let's go ahead for those of us that don't know um, what PCOS is. Let's go ahead and um, define what PCOS is.
1: Love it. Yeah. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. It does affect between five and 10% of adult women in Western society. So that's kind of huge, you know, like one out of every 10 women, you or your girlfriends, you know, are probably suffering from, from PCOS, right? The research also does show that between 50 and 60 of cases of infertility can be associated with PCOS. There's probably a little bit deeper of like what we need to do so people can understand why, you know, why does PCOS kind of promote infertility? So, you know, last time we talked a little bit about the menstrual cycle. I feel like I need to give a background of the menstrual cycle so people can see where that anomaly lies, right? A woman should have about a 28 to 30 day menstrual cycle. That first half of the cycle is called the follicular phase. And that's usually about days one through 14 of the cycle, right around day 14, a woman ovulates, right? So she has this beautiful little follicle that, you know, this, this little egg is being produced out of, and the egg should rupture the egg or the follicle should rupture. The egg should be released. And the the body even either goes on to, you know, become pregnant or to shed that egg and have a, a menstrual cycle, a period, right? In the case of PCOS, that, that follicle kind of stimulation is, is, is bothered, right? We have a problem. So month after month, instead of the follicle releasing an egg and rupturing, the egg does not get released. And so women start to have all of these follicles that are, that are basically plugged, right? And, and they become almost cysts. This well, they do become cysts. They actually do become cysts, and this is kind of one of the bases for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Those cysts are just trapped eggs that never got released, and so we have this imbalance of, uh, you know, follicles that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Here's the problem twofold problem. Number one, you start having more cysts. Number two, you don't get an egg. So you can't possibly fertilize that, which does not come out of the follicle, right? And uh, then you never have ovulation. You never have like the culminating event of a woman's period. So periods start becoming, you know, either scanty or light or skipped. That's another hallmark of PCOS. And as you can see, it's a really complicated sort of anomaly that happens in the body, but you know, it all starts with that lack of ovulation, that lack of egg being released, that lack of the follicle doing what it's supposed to do.
0: And tell us a little bit about luteal phase. We talked about follicular phase. So what about the last half of the cycle, days 14 or 15 through through 28 or 30?
1: Yep. Yeah. So after ovulation, um, you know, that whole process is taking less, less than a day, basically, you know, 24, maybe 48 hours, the body then segues into the luteal phase. So if you have a healthy, you know, follicular event, if you release that egg, then the corpus luteum, which is the structure that housed that follicle actually turns, you know, inside out, basically becomes vascularized and starts pumping out progesterone. All right. And this is where we get that phrase, you know, or the, the term luteal phase comes from corpus luteum. It means yellow body. Um, and, and that yellow body, that corpus luteum, is now producing progesterone for those fourteen days of the luteal phase, right? Progesterone is shortened from progestation hormone, so you need plenty of that progesterone in order to have a healthy a healthy pregnancy. Really, you need plenty of progesterone in order to have a, a healthy period as well. But either way, the body is going to go, you know, during that luteal phase, really depends on progesterone. But if the corpus luteum never, you know, becomes a structure because the egg was never released and the follicle is blocked, then progesterone doesn't get pumped out and you start having a whole host of other, you know, period related symptoms. So again, amenorrhea, the period never happens. You could have spotting, you know, in between cycles, which is a hallmark for a lot of women with PCOS. And of course that infertility can happen because levels are so low of progesterone that the body can't possibly support a healthy pregnancy.
0: Awesome. There was a lot going on there. You explained that better than I've heard in maybe ever. That was great, Jennifer. Thank you. Janet, what kind of comments or questions do you have?
2: So I think there is kind of a misnomer when it comes to, at least from the side that we see in the pharmacy side, that because somebody is not having a cycle, we put them on birth control pills. Yes.
0: Yeah, boy, mm-hmm. that's let's a, talk that's about a, that one. That's it's a one. That's a great one.
2: Do you disagree
1: with that course of action, Janet? Are you saying Slightly. maybe not? Okay.
0: <laughs> well, yes. I mean, let's think. Let's just think about. I mean, let's just go back to what the definition of progesterone is. Progestation, to you know, and you already talked about it helps you have a, nor- a normal cycle. Yeah. Well, birth controls prevent pregnancy, and you know, essentially stop a normal cycle. So it makes no sense to fix PCOS by giving birth control pills. In fact, you could argue it could make it worse. Go. I would
1: absolutely argue that it would make it worse. for, And this is the first reason I'm going to start with. This is why it can make it worse. And this is why, ladies, if you do have PCOS, I absolutely would not recommend going on the birth control pill because the the two hormones that are in your birth control pill, so just the standard pill, are fake hormones, right? So we have an estrogen like hormone, ethenyl estriol, and then we also have progestin, right? So this is not progesterone. They look very structurally similar at an atomic level, but they are not the same thing as a bioidentical hormone. And research actually does show that, that progestin has a chemical structure. If you're looking at it from like an organic chemistry perspective, it has a chemical structure that looks more similar to an androgen, like testosterone in the body, than it does to progesterone itself. Here's the problem with that. Women with PCOS already have elevated levels of androgens in the body. So we see on blood work or something like the Dutch test, DHEA will generally be elevated. That's an anabolic hormone. It's an androgenic hormone. Testosterone is generally elevated um, with cases of PCOS. So, So you women who already have elevated levels of testosterone absolutely do not need more androgenic hormones, you know, coursing through your bloodstream throughout the month, right? This is going to lead to things like facial hair or right. weight or really, you know, oily skin, um, you know, all those things where you're like, oh, that's like the opposite of what I want. What I want is a baby, you know, what I don't want yeah. is a beard.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Right. And it, it is crazy how. You know, birth control pills are just the go-to with anybody with a hormone problem. You know, anybody with a problem that could be hormone-related, less than 40 birth control pills, over 40 hysterectomy, when all of it can usually be changed by um, lifestyle um, changes, whether it be diet, sleep, exercise, and of course, maybe adding some biological hormones like progesterone.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing, you know, with estrogen, we, we really don't want to, um, you know, we don't, or with birth control, we don't want to shut down that which we already have a problem with, right? right. If you put someone with infertility on birth control in the guise of like regulating their hormones, we we really aren't regulating hormones. We're exposing those women to extra levels of that synthetic estrogen, right? The ethinyl estradiol, which is just, it's just terrible for the body. You know, women generally are already in a state of estrogen dominance. You know, I see in my practice, just woman after woman after woman with extremely low progesterone levels, you know, and that's indicative of of them not ovulating, or it can just be indicative of like really low stress. You know, the body has to prioritize creating other steroid hormones over progesterone in order to just kind of keep it alive and keep it going. But getting that excess, you know, fake estrogen in the body, this can increase clots. It can increase cramps. It can increase PMS. It can increase insomnia depression anxiety i see it all the time and the bummer is that we're starting to give that to women you know at 14 or 15 or 16 years old you know our little girls with acne our little girls with heavy periods or cramps are like well here's some birth control i'm like oh oh, no
0: right i mean we're, we're literally they've got hormone they've got problems producing hormones and we're literally shutting down their endogenous productions of hormones by giving them birth control pills well we're putting gas on the fire yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, really, we are. We're just saying here. Here's some more problems. It's just yeah. going to exaggerate it, you know. So, when we see that, and, and tell me if, if this is your experience. Usually, when we get into that situation, then when we try to take those pills away and and become pregnant, wowza, right? I mean, this is yeah. That's that's yeah. a real problem.
1: Yeah. The boomerang effect is, is, you know, quite exaggerated. You know, as you said, number one, estrogen is a, it's a steroid hormone. The brain finds estrogen to be addictive. So when we're giving estrogen, even, you know, fake estrogen, and then we should just try to go cold turkey off birth control. The brain's like, what the heck? You know, you can start to mm-hmm. become more anxious. You can have panic attacks. You can slide into a depression. I've seen this, you know, over and over again um, with my women. Right. And then going off birth control itself, uh, again, not support the body can be really, really hard for a body that's kind of used to those fake hormones. You know, research also shows that the pill depletes three main vitamins that our body really needs in order to have hormone and mood right balance point. zinc, mm-hmm. vitamin B6, and magnesium. You know, if you are on the pill, I was on the pill for 20 years, so I'm like, I, I'm, I get this from a a firsthand perspective, you know, I just didn't know any better. But yeah, magnesium uh, caused anxiety and panic attacks, my magnesium depletion, my zinc, you know, depleted my stomach acid. Um, It depleted my immunity, it caused a lot of stretch marks. while I was pregnant, you know, my body just didn't have sufficient levels of that. And then B6, of course, you know, manages our mood and our sleep, It, it works on the same neural pathways as progesterone itself. So when B6 is low, we can be more anxious, depressed, we can have more insomnia. So I'd really encourage women who are looking to go off of birth control for personal reasons after talking to your doctor, um, really shore up on working with a health professional to get your levels of zinc B6 and magnesium back um, to a restorative level.
0: And just B vitamins in general, because estrogen does deplete uh, a, Riboflavin, also. So let's not forget that. And let's also add on to this. This is not just about birth control pills. This is also about Depo Provera, which is, you know, oh. a, a birth control oh. shot, which is even more difficult and hard on the body um, than birth control pills because it lasts for a long time. So I've seen women that go off and for five years they can't get pregnant because their cycles mm-hmm. are still messed up. Same thing with Marina IUD, which is um, implantable progestin. And I believe that Implanon also was a progestin only, but there might have been some um, uh, uh, synthetic estrogen in there also, but I'm not sure about that off the top of my head. Either way, they still do the same thing. They really suppress your endogenous productions of hormones and they don't fix the problem with whether it be PCOS or infertility or endometriosis for that matter. In fact, they can make those things a lot worse in the long run. So, Just a reminder. Uh
1: Yeah. I want to explore all of those things that you just said. Like there's a goldmine of, you know, information on what Sean was just talking about. Um, I'd like to address the riboflavin component first, because you're right. Number one, uh, theoretically, you should not take a singular B vitamin by itself. Like always take it with a sweet host of other B vitamins. So let me correct myself there. But then just that, that note on riboflavin depletion, you know, we see a strong correlation between women who are on birth control and women who eventually develop migraines, like really debilitating, Mm -hmm. debilitating migraines. And the research shows that that supplementing with 400 milligrams of riboflavin can be an effective, you know, therapy against uh, um, migraines. That's not like a be-all and end-all, you know, like you can't just go take 400 milligrams of riboflavin and expect that your migraine will be gone. But we do see how strong that correlation is between medications that deplete riboflavin and other B vitamins and that onset of migraines for women who are, you know, in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, for sure.
0: Well, and... I'm of the, we get it all the time when somebody comes in with hormone problems and, you know, we have a doctor that is asking us questions and they're on birth control and they want to know what they can do. You know, their head, let's say their headaches are being caused by, by birth control. Um, And sure, we could give them riboflavin. I would just rather say go off the birth control. Oh, I mean, nice. seriously, it's like in, we see it mostly in older women when they're having cycling issues or mm-hmm. whatever symptom they're having of, of hormone type issues um, and they're on birth control and they don't wanna go off. It's like, well, it, it does no good to try to to test your hormones, to check your hormones at all when you're on birth control. It, it is a waste of time, it's a waste of resources, it's a waste of money. You know, and it does you no good to try to balance your hormones with estrogen, progesterone, testosterone while you're on birth control. Get off the birth control. I mean, seriously, you got to be off it for at least eight weeks before you can get tested.
1: Yep. hundred percent. And on that note, I mean, it's not like you're going to want to be supplementing with bioidentical progesterone if you're on birth control, if the whole point of being on birth control is to prevent pregnancy, right? Yeah. right. Oh, but believe but
0: believe me, we get that question. Yeah, that's why you. I want to say it. I mean.
2: Yeah. That's why we want to talk about it is because we'll get the question. So, and we're like, uh,
0: yeah, right. <laughs> oh, sweet little lambs. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, um, so tell us a little bit about PCOS and because we we focus when we when we have a PCOS patient from a pharmacist standpoint. I mean we we still as pharmacists we talk about nutrition, diet, lifestyle all the time. We're one of the rare ones that do. Um, but we do commonly say, well, when it comes to hormones with PCOS, we we say optimize progesterone mm-hmm. and optimize thyroid. Um, yep. what are your thoughts about that?
1: hundred percent. So yeah, getting that progesterone level back online is going to be important. You know, it's a cause of, and solution to, and ovulation, right? Like you've got to be working on getting those progesterone levels to a, a sufficient amount to get that menstrual cycle back online. Right. So this is, of course, like post birth control or if you're not taking birth control and you have PCOS, you really got to be working on upping those progesterone levels and really balancing out hormones. And we'll talk about supplements later on. But one of the supplements I use most and a lot of my colleagues use most to really balance out that estrogen and progesterone is Vitex. So we really like Chaseberry to help the body, you know, kind of start producing its own progesterone. And really just thought sending the hypothalamic, hypothal- is that the word, signal to the, yeah, yeah. To the hypothalamus, <laughs> right, to, to produce proper amounts of, of specifically progesterone. Now, with thyroid function, this is a kicker. And this is something that um, you know, I, I really went deep into a few years ago because I was uh, re- reading works from um, Dr. John Lee, worked with the widow of Dr. John Lee, um, and they, they produce a, a thyroid, you know, uh, over-the-counter thyroid hormone that people can use in their practices or even order. It's called ThyroGold. It's fantastic. It's a, a natural desiccated thyroid. And I remember that she said to me, she's like, Jennifer, if you really want to help women, you need to go deep into infertility and work on optimizing thyroid. And I was like, what? I've never heard that before. So of course I go down this rabbit trail of figuring out you know, how thyroid function is um, so affected by infertility and vice versa. Right? We've got our HPT axis, our hypothalamus, pituitary, and thyroid hormone. And man, if the stress signals that are being, um, you know, kind of deciphered by the body um, are, are not, if that process isn't going well, if there's too much stress coming from outside and too much stress really coming from inside too, with things like food sensitivities or viral infections or parasites or what have you, you know that that body's just not going to send the right signals, right? We are not going to be getting the right signals to the thyroid to start creating T4. We're not going to be getting the right signals to the liver to convert that into T3. And we're certainly not going to be getting the right signal to the cell to actually utilize, you know, that thyroid hormone. I literally just did a reel about this today because I was reminded about this from the work of Janie Bothworth, who does Stop the Thyroid Madness. And she, she told me at one point, Jennifer, the body needs cortisol as a transport hormone for T3. So if we have insufficient levels of cortisol, and this is the rub, it's not like too high levels of cortisol, it's insufficient levels of cortisol, free cortisol, then the body cannot get T3 into the cell. So what I tell my clients is you could look at that blood work that your doctor gives you. Maybe they'll test T4. If you're really lucky, maybe they'll test T3. They're probably just testing TSH, right? Yeah. But you could have normal levels of T3. You could have normal levels of T4. But if you have insufficient cortisol, that thyroid hormone is not getting into the cell. So you're still going to suffer from you know, weight gain, infertility, you know, possibly PCOS, being freezing cold all the time, hair falling out, constipation if you have low levels of thyroid hormone, even if you're on Synthroid or natural desiccated thyroid, like this is how smart the body is. <laughs> it's really amazing, right? So the thyroid is absolutely affected by stress. It's absolutely going to respond to, um, you know, a dysregulated menstrual cycle and can definitely be associated, you know, hypothyroidism itself can be associated with um, with PCOS.
0: Well, and let's just talk about the, what some of those stressors are, um, diet-related or sleep-related. So let, let's say that... Uh, it's a patient that is um, overweight and they have a poor diet. If they're overweight and they have a poor diet, that's a big stressor already. And mm. and and your body is going to say, you know, like for um, progesterone, which is a hormone of pregnancy, we already talked about that. Your body is going to say, wait a minute, you're under way too much stress to actually get pregnant. Um, you need to take care of yourself before you can even take care of another individual. And that's why there's so many people that are, um, a lot of times PCOS and infertility is caused by an issue like that, where they're just not eating a good diet and and sleep is another one too, that we can talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a hard thing to kind of bring up because of the body positivity movement, but honestly, like my personal view is that our bodies are intelligently designed and that we are, you know, a healthy body will house a healthy baby, right? So there is this stop gap between, you know, infertility and a woman who has not created a safe environment for a baby to kind of thrive. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, yes, that can definitely be, you know, if you're, if you're overweight and that is of course associated with, with PCOS as well, those elevated androgen levels, you know, lead to mm-hmm. elevated insulin levels each lead to, you know, weight gain for women, sometimes like 30, 40, 50 pounds in a year, um, because their, their blood sugar and insulin are so dysregulated and, like you said, Sean, that's not a healthy environment for a baby to be brought into. Like the body knows that it's not going to be able yeah, to grow a right. baby healthy and strong.
0: Well, right? and I'm all for the body positivity movement, but also, Jennifer, I'm also for being honest. And if we are not honest with people, and that includes right. many people that seek health who where most of their problems are caused by lifestyle disease, if we're not honest with them, we are not doing them no favors by just giving them another drug and saying, oh, you know, it's okay and love your body. And well, yeah. And one of the things is, is like I, I I love people who are overweight. I've been an overweight person. So has my wife. So was my kids. I love overweight people as much as I love everybody. And that's why I want to talk to them about that because I love them. And the most dangerous thing we can do as Americans is to be overweight. Cardiovascular disease from... Um, being obese causes more deaths than anything in America, period. Car wrecks, cancers, all that. So that's why I preach it.
1: Yep. And I and and I know, you know, your story and I respect that and, and love that about you guys, that it does come up from a place of, of the heart and being there, you know, um, and it, it can't be denied that, you know, most women with PCOS are overweight. And this, this is a consequence again, of those higher levels of androgens. Well, where do those higher levels of androgens come from? Well, they come from elevated insulin, which comes from eating a crap diet, you know? Um, And we can get away with a lot of that in our twenties and thirties, but man, once you hit like 33, 34, 35, it's become so imperative to watch your diet and to really start living, you know, for, for the future, right? Like for longevity, like not so much in the moment anymore, because we do know that, you know, increased levels of androgens lead to increased obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and even again, risk of like having a beard for women, like increased facial hair. So we can definitely dive into diet. I know your guys' view on diets and I love it. (laughs) So I can't wait to talk about
2: it with you guys today, but I think what we're really saying to summarize this is that our lifestyle and our day-to-day activities and habits are important, just not for today, but in the future. And so one of the things that I like to tell young women is that prepare today because your body is going to be responding for what happened, right? Because that's chronic illnesses don't usually get diagnosed until they've been sitting around and finally something sends you in. So, you know, if we're talking about the issue of fertility, I mean, we really have to start with when we're healthy to maintain that and to get to that. And I know we we were talking about healing too, but it's super important, I think, from an early age to start being healthy so your body's prepared for this. Because I think that's part of the issue too. If we're preparing a a young lady in her life if she wants to have children, it starts early. And I think that's really, you know,
1: yeah, I think that's such a wise thing to bring up, Janet, too. Like, if we look at the work of, like, Weston A. Price, right, so he would travel and, and study indigenous cultures and what made those cultures healthy. Like, we did see that women in their, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old women were set aside given special diets, given organ meats, like, really, really taken care of because the tribe, the cultures knew that fertility is, like, a gift, and we need to really, like, respect this gift, and no longer do we really think that, you know? You know, in the United States, we're just like, what we want, we want now, and we want no matter the consequences. And it does kind of, it, it makes me nervous, and it makes me sad to look around and see, you know, with with the inventive IVF, where we can, like, forcefully, you know, ha- allow a woman to, to carry a child, you know, despite the fact that she might be really sickly, like, what does that look like in 10 years for the mother, for the father? What does that look like in 20 years for the child? You know, what, what are we passing along epigenetically genetically to that child? And what's the next generation going to look like? How much better to take control of our health now, like personally take control of our health and give the gift of health, not just to our family now, but to our, our future children. So I'm right with you on that.
0: Our, and our bodies, just like you were saying, our bodies are designed to reproduce. So if they're if if they're not cycling or they're you know, you're not able to get pregnant. There's a problem, and by the same token, let's not. I know this is about PCOS, um, but infertility can have to do with males also. And and let's face it; I mean, there's a problem in the United States with young males. Um, Infertility has gone up. Low testosterone has gone up. I'm surprised. I'm surprised some of the young males I see with low testosterone levels that, you know, when you're in your early twenties, I mean, you should have a testosterone level that's going to be the highest of your life probably. And, but again. Your body says, wait a minute. This guy's sitting on the couch. He's drinking beer. He's playing video games. He's leading a sedentary lifestyle. He doesn't need to reproduce. I mean, I mean, seriously, and, I, and I'm being that I'm saying that out of all honesty. And I've seen patients like that, that they change, they turn around their lifestyle, their testosterone doubles in three months. I mean, cause our bodies respond. It's like, Oh man, this guy's, this guy's ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And and, and 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 women can be the same thing when it comes to PCOS and infertility by changing mm-hmm. their diets hmm
1: Yep. And, you know, taking away some of the stressors too, like it's not just what we, you know, are putting into our body. It's what we're not putting into our body. So, you know, things that are lowering our progesterone levels as women, things that are lowering t- testosterone levels for men. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it like alcohol is a huge one. Vaping is a huge one. I'm seeing more of my women, you know, self-report doing party drugs like weed or, or, you know, ecstasy, like I'm shocked at like what women are putting into their body because they feel like crap, Sean, you know, they're not eating well. And so they're seeking this like either kind of release or high somewhere else because their bodies just don't feel good. So it's almost like this natural compensatory response to seek out a stimulus that makes us feel better. What we just don't know or what, you know, lots of people don't know is that you can feel that good, you know, taking great care of your body, eating the right food, getting enough protein, you know, making sure that you're optimizing your mineral. Getting enough clean water, getting enough sleep, getting outside instead of sitting in front of your computer or the TV. It really is simple. It's not easy, but it's really simple. And raising the testosterone level of your man, ladies, is going to help a ton with well, many things in life, (laughs) but also, you know, a healthy, a healthy baby.
0: Well, and by the way, I'm gonna guess that you know a man's testosterone is gonna respond to his partner's um, hormones also. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen that in a study. It doesn't matter. I just, I'm a rational guy. I mean, <laughs> think about that. If you're living with somebody that is more, um, more active, you know, um, it's gonna, it's gonna do the same thing to, to your, to the, to the man. So, um, so we talked a little, we talked a little bit about diet, you talked about organ meats, you, you know, that Jen and I are big carnivores. We, we do believe that just, just, just to, get that out there. I do believe that, you know, humans are omnivores, but I also believe that mostly we've eaten a meat-based diet in the past to sustain ourselves. And there's no culture ever that sustained themselves on vegetables and fruit alone, period. I'm waiting. If somebody has an answer to that and they, they, they can um, dispute that, please comment, let me know. Um, let's talk about sleep. Mm-hmm. So we talk about this all the time and we are diurnal creatures. We're not nocturnal. So we are meant to sleep during the night and work during the day. And I get it. And all my my hats go off to people that work shift work. Mm-hmm. But when people have PCOS and they have infertility and they're a night nurse or they're working shift work as a cop or, 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 or whatever, they need to change jobs. Seriously. I mean, if they love their body, if they, if they like their bodies and they want to get rid of PCOS, they want to get rid of infertility – that's, that's just the case. Cause we are meant to sleep at night and work during the day. You go.
1: Yeah. I, I, I like to say shift work is for 23 year old dudes.
0: Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was there. I remember. And by the time I got to be like 30, it was, it was difficult in my twenties. It was, it was a lot easier. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, in
1: your mid 20s, you know, like you said, you have those higher testosterone levels. You have yeah. the buffering hormones that are available to you and the metabolic yeah. flexibility to deal with, you know, not sleeping well. But man, if you are a woman in your, you know, early 30s, mid 30s, late 30s, you have got to be sleeping, ladies, because this is when our body does all of its rest and repair work, right? We need to be in parasympathetic nervous system dominance, not, not even, not overextended parasympathetic nervous system dominance, but in that rest and digest state. I During the night, because our body cleans out its glial cells, you start, you know, reducing neural inflammation, you create new hormones, you synthesize progesterone and estradiol and cortisol, like that all happens at night. You can't do that during the day when your body's diverting its resources to all sorts of other things. You know, you work on digestion while you're sleeping, your MMC, your migrating motor complex is working hard to get rid of bacteria and parasites and food particles during the night when you're not, when you're fasting, just by the way, everyone fast. And it's a good thing. So you don't have to do an extended fast because you're already fasting at night for most people which is sufficient. Um, and women, you need to eat, you know, this is what I see or, okay, we'll go, we'll get to food in a little bit, but let's focus on sleep. Sorry, Sean, I got off on a tangent, oh. but you got to sleep, um, in order to, to, you know, really create a, a healthy environment for yourself. Right. And if we're looking to create a healthy environment for a baby, that's just secondary. You've got to sleep first. Um, my, my boss, my mentor, Reed Davis from functional diagnostic nutrition, you know, in our course taught us that the hours of sleep you get before midnight are doubly as effective for the rest and repair phase as the hours of sleep you get after midnight. Now I can corroborate this because I've been tracking my sleep for the past two years with
0: my oh, aura you ring. you hit that aura ring, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and I will tell you the deep sleep, my deep sleep, I usually get before 1 AM. All right. So I'm usually getting an hour to two hours of deep sleep before 12 AM, which completely corroborates, you know, what Reed taught us in the class. It's light sleep. It's REM sleep after 12 o'clock. And honestly, if I miss those couple hours, nine, 10, 11 PM, I don't feel as well rested in the morning. And this is one of the biological reasons as to why we don't because our body can't get into that deep rest and repair sleep. So I really encourage my women set up some sleep hygiene parameters. You know, the earlier you can get outside during the day, the better it's going to be for you at night. You start cultivating your sleep first thing in the morning. So can you get outside for 5, 10, 15 minutes, you know, as the sun is rising. One of my colleagues, Evan Transu, is passionate about getting early morning okay. sun exposure, you know, to start activating the hormonal response. that's eventually going to create melatonin so that you can sleep later on that night. You know, you you really, really need a good night's sleep. So there's a lot we can go into with that but if you want well,
0: to be baby well let, yeah well let's just say that also on that note um it sets you up if you are um trying to get pregnant it sets your baby up for you know I get it when they're young they they wake up all night long and they want to eat but but still they need a set bedtime and they need a set time to get up um so setting them up on a on that diurnal um on that diurnal pattern also is super important, and you know typically babies that have health problems are ones that you know they don't uh, they don't have a good schedule, and 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 as as humans like all mammals, <coughs> excuse me, so excuse me, yeah, humans <laughs> like all mammals, we we like schedules, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we are diurnal. So um, let's go into movement also or exercise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. And exercise yeah. can can lower stress, but it can also cause stress depending on the timing. And let's face it, there's there's women that exercise too much. You know, young athlete, younger athletes, usually older athletes, possibly too, depend depend on how you find define that. Um, they get amenorrhea. They don't have periods anymore because they exercise so much. Again, your body's saying, "Well, wait a minute. This woman has way too much stress on her body mm-hmm. to be able to support a pregnancy." So too much exercise is a bad thing also. You go.
1: Yep. I like to refer to that as the Goldilocks principle of exercise for sure. On my end, I tend to see women who have exactly what you were talking about, Sean, like where they're over exercising and their stress hormones are so elevated that, you know, progesterone uh like shut down has happened, right? So in younger women, we kind of call that the the athlete triad, triad, right? Where women are are losing their period essentially because their body fat is so low. So that that is one case, but it tends to happen less and less as women get older. We see that in a lot, a lot in like college athletes or really young women. Um, but generally, by the time they are suffering from something like PCOS, it's the fact that they're not exercising enough or they're exercising the wrong way, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So we, yeah, and we do have ways that you know can exercise. Exercises that can lower testosterone and lower, you know, insulin resistance. Then we have exercises that can raise um, insulin resistance or, or insulin levels in the bloodstream, right? And raise testosterone. One of the worst things I see women doing is jogging every single day, going to CrossFit five times a week, going to Orange Theory five times a week. Because, ladies, when you exercise that much, your body is overproducing cortisol. Cortisol is a glucocorticoid. Right. So every time cortisol is coursing through your bloodstream, so is glucose. (laughs) Glucose. And
0: And then insulin follows
1: and then insulin follows exactly where where does the body sequester all that glucose well insulin has to come to the rescue and hopefully put it in the muscle cells or the liver but probably not it's probably going to be storing it in your belly fat and under your arms and in your booty every place you don't want it right because you've got that constant influx of cortisol and and glucose right so you do become more insulin resistant if you are simply doing you know if you're over exercising in like that chronic cardio sort of way so i tell my clients hey stop jogging Talking, cancel your orange theory. This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be walking outside about five miles a day, 10,000 steps a day, listen to a podcast, listen to something uplifting, call your mom, just enjoy nature. I don't care. This isn't like speed walking. You're just moving, you're moving like your Mm -hmm. ancestor. And right. then two to three times a week, I want you in the gym lifting as heavy as possible, right? We are trying to, again, become more insulin, re- insulin sensitive, less insulin resistant, more insulin sensitive. And we're trying to minimize, you know, that cortisol release in the body. So there's a lot you can do hormonally from an exercise perspective. And the best part is that it's not as hard as we make it out to be, you know, walk and lift a couple times a week.
0: Yeah. No, it, it doesn't have to be um, complicated. It's super easy. And I think there's, you know, people make barriers of it because they think it's complicated, but it's not like you say, walk 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a week or uh, three times a week, and then lift heavy things. I mean, it's it's really that simple. Um, and especially if you're, if you're not exercising at all, then it's really easy because you just got to start doing something like that. You know, five minutes of walking and then you know, do ten push-ups and ten sit-ups. I mean, seriously, just body weight stuff, and then you can progress into heavier weight. Um, but it doesn't—it doesn't have to be um, complicated. And Janet and I just last Monday had a podcast on the importance of resistance training, mm-hmm. and you know, it is just so so important. When you build extra muscle mass, which what what resistance resistance training does, your muscles do all this kinds of good stuff for your metabolism. Mm-hmm for insulin, for glucose, for, um, you know, it is just, it's incredible. And as we age, it's harder to put on muscle mass. So start as early as possible. It's never too late. And, um, you know, sarcopenia is a real thing. It's, it's harder. We want to keep that muscle mass on as we age. So, so keep it on as, so, so, so start resistance training as soon as you can. It's never too early. I know when I was a kid, when resistance training was kind of only for power lifters and, and uh bodybuilders and then some of the sports started doing it and now every sport does it i mean we were told oh you can't lift weights for your 14 and all this kind of stuff because it's going to cause damage and i just think back and how ignorant that is i mean you know there were kids pushing heavy things when they were five years old on a farm i mean you know (laughs) and they did it every day (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs)
2: Some
1: some farm bred boys, that's for sure. Yeah. My 13 year old, he is, he lifts, he, you know, we have a a gym in our barn and, and our whole family, you know, from my 17 year old son who plays D line at varsity football to my, you know, 11 year old, like he's out there flipping a tire. Like these are things for us to do. um, No matter, no matter who you are and no matter what age you are, because you want to keep a body that's functional. That's kind of like what we talk about in functional medicine. Like we want to move you from a state of dysfunction to a state of function. And physical fitness is definitely part of that. And man, honestly, if you're a woman with infertility and you're struggling with being, you know, overweight, like you're going to feel much better. You're just going to feel stronger, more powerful. You're going to feel sexier. You know, If you start lifting weights and get that body composition that your body naturally would get if you were just out moving it, like from an ancestral perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Jennifer, we we've, we went over a lot. Um, we're kind of out of time. So I think we're going to have you on again and discuss another subject we love when you're on. Um, you just speak our language. So thank you so much for being on today and helping us realize our goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So as we wind this podcast up, Jennifer, um, in two sentences, which might be difficult, um, sum up, sum up, our discussion on PCOS and infertility.
1: Yes. All right. First of all, I just want to thank you and Janet for having me. I look forward to this so much. I really appreciate you guys just letting me come on and chat with you. In two sentences, I would say, you know, get enough sleep and eat enough protein at regular meals to balance out blood sugar so that you can make wise decisions with your diet and exercise. And that in a nutshell can help solve your own PCOS.
0: Pretty simple. That one's pretty simple. If anybody has any questions, Jennifer, what's the best way to get hold of you?
1: Yeah, I'm on um, Instagram, Jennifer Woodward Wellness. I'm on Facebook, Jennifer Woodward Nutrition. My website, Jennifer Woodward Nutrition. You can just Google me and I'll be happy to respond to your emails. I love chatting with people about things
0: like this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer. We appreciate you being on. And listeners and viewers, thank you so much for listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Thursday for our midweek podcast at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for tuning in.